Amen. Thank you, Pastor Brenda. And thank you, Pastor Epson, for leading us in worship today and coming over from Hope for All. That's great. And good morning, church. It's great to be with you all today, whether you're here in person or online. I love being able to gather in worship. This is the church, the church gathered. Um, and so it's so good to be here with you. So we continue in the Kingdom Now series, this journey through the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is teaching his disciples what it means to live in the kingdom right now. We started with the Beatitudes and then we talked about salt and light and how we are a light to the world and how we're salty to one another in terms of exhibiting the values of God. We've talked about forgiveness. We've talked about stewardship and treasuring. And today um, we talk about judging, condemning, or loving. And don't we love to judge people? Maybe we wouldn't say we love it, but it comes so easy for us. Yeah? If, you, if judging does not come easy for you, um, then please see me after the service, because I, I need to learn from you. It's an important topic. Um, because it speaks to our hearts. And so we're going to dig into Scripture, and Jesus is teaching on this in Matthew 7, 1-7, on the screen and in your bulletin. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of dust in your brother's eye, and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take out the speck out of your eye, and when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Let's pray. God, we um, just invite you afresh into this space, into this time, God, and into this teaching. God, we've read your word. God, you're teaching to your followers. And now I pray that your Holy Spirit will take these words deep into our heart, that you will help us to understand them, that you will help us to live them, God, and to be challenged by them, God. And so may your Holy Spirit come. In your name we pray. Amen. So let's unpack this scripture. If you've been in church very long, these are probably verses that you have heard before. So verse 1, do not judge or you too will be judged. The word judge here in Greek is krino. Krino. Okay, we're going to come back to that word. But just as in English, there are two meanings in Greek to the word judge. We'll see later in the Gospels in John 7, 24, Jesus says this, Stop judging, krino is used here, by mere appearances, but instead judge, or krino, correctly. So judgment has two meanings. One is a good kind of judgment. There's a discerning, there's an, e an analyzing, an evaluating. Okay? Jesus says don't judge incorrectly in John. Judge correctly. So, 
same word, two different things, and then a bad kind of judgment, which is what he's talking about here in Matthew 7, which is condemning the other. Okay? So there's a good judgment, this, this discerning, right? There's a bad judgment, which is condemnation. And that's what we're going to unpack today. Why, why does Jesus warn us about judging? Why does he warn us about condemning? What's wrong with it? In order to condemn, what does it mean for the condemner? They have to sit in a place of superiority, right? The condemner elevates themselves by putting the other down. These are not places that Jesus invites us into, right? Condemnation is rarely honest. Condemnation isn't kind. And, and when you condemn, you rarely have the whole picture of what's going on. When I'm venting, when I'll come home, and, and maybe it's, um, you know, from a difficult day, maybe it's something that happened on the MTR, maybe a conversation with something, and I'm kind of venting to Erica. And I'm saying what happened, right? What happened in my interaction with somebody? Even if I'm trying to be very accurate, right? I'm rarely giving a third-party perspective. Never giving a third-party perspective, right? I'm always... Um, giving my point of view, right? Which then biases me in that situation, right? I tend to see myself and give myself grace. I know my motives and probably not the other person's and I ascribe negative motives to them. And so I've judged them, but it's rarely and I would say never an accurate picture of what's going on. How often do we live out this teaching? Do not judge. It's difficult, right? See, Jesus knows we would not make good judges, right? He knows that we're full of prejudice. He, he knows that we don't know all the facts. And he also knows that we have plenty of our own sin. That makes it difficult for us to view the sin of another. Do you remember the woman caught in adultery and the religious leaders are there to condemn her, right? And they're picking up rocks ready to enact their judgment. What does Jesus say to them? Let you who has no sin throw the first stone. We're not meant to be in a place of condemnation and yet we so often want to be in that place to put the other down and to lift ourselves up. A pastor, Greg Boyd, says it this way, you cannot love and judge at the same time. It's impossible to ascribe a measurable worth to others when you're using others to ascribe worth to yourself. Do you get that meaning there? If you're using somebody to elevate yourself, if you're using them by condemning them, we cannot love and judge at the same time. As you think through your past week, Think through times that maybe you have judged or condemned. That removes us from an ability to love the other. That's why Jesus is so firm on this. Now, we are given the freedom to discern and to analyze things and ideas. We are not given the freedom to judge other people. When I meet with couples, you know, in pastoral counseling, and they're working through a conflict, it can be so easy to attack and to judge the other person. 
which doesn't get us very far. I said, let's, let's attack the problem. Let's attack the issue. Let's attack what's going wrong. Let's not attack each other. See, condemnation is incredibly destructive. That should be reason alone that we resist it. But Christ gives us another reason to resist it. He says the measure that we use to judge others is what's going to bounce back on us. It's how we are going to be judged. And probably most of us don't want to be judged with the measure we judge others. I know for me, I would much rather be judged by God who is full of love, full of grace, full of forgiveness. And he invites us to do the same. I um, was watching a show. I can't travel right now, as most of us cannot. Uh, this show is, this picture is from Instant Hotel. It's taking place in Australia. So I can't travel, so I'm going to watch travel shows. And these people all have set up their houses as hotels. And the premise of the show is that they go around and visit each one of their houses and they give them a score. And at the end, one of their houses is judged the best instant hotel ever. And what's fascinating, as I was watching this, it, it very much depicts this very verse. There is one couple in this show that are the biggest judgers of each place. This is so trashy. This is not good. Our taste is so much better. And theirs is the last house that they go to. How do you think their place was judged? The harshest. They were like, we have all these expectations when we go to their place because they've built it up so much. They've elevated themselves by putting everybody else down. And then it comes crashing down on them to their surprise. They have no idea that this is what is going to happen. And yet we see this reality played out in real life all the time in our own lives. And this show captured it. It wasn't the point of the show, but it illustrates so very well this reality. See, Dallas Willard calls this section of scripture condemnation engineering. Condemnation engineering. It's, it's a plan to sort of help other people, right? We want to help other people. I'm helping them by judging them, right? I'm helping them to improve. I'm, I'm condemning them so they'll see the error of their ways. I'm, I'm judging them to maybe control them, to get what I want out of them. See, it's natural to want to manage or control those around us by forcing them to maybe view the world we do. To take our wonderful suggestions and solutions on board that we think are so great. See, condemnation is never effective at bringing change. Or rather, condemnation brings shame, which pushes the person who's being condemned into the shadow, right? Pushes them out of the light and into the darkness. It pushes them away from God instead of towards God. Right after this passage of scripture, Jesus talks about how we ought to treat one another. He says, treat others how you want to be treated. Which is not judging them. For you personally, who is it easiest for you to judge? Maybe in your family in your workspace, in your school, when you're on your way to work, right? 
What about a political party? The opposite party from yours, right? The yellow party or the blue party? The Republicans or the Democrats? Who, when you see a news story, you instantly can rush to judgment because you know what that story is going to say about the party that you don't like. Maybe it's easier to judge a generation, an older generation or a younger generation, for not getting it. Maybe an ethnic group or a social class. Maybe it's easier for you to judge the rich or to judge the poor. See, when we judge somebody, we put on that lens of judgment. And that is then how we view them. And we look for things that will affirm that view of judgment. Oh, that's who they are. They're always going to be that way, right? We begin to have confirmation bias for that person. We're looking to affirm our own view of them. This week, I started keeping track of every time I had judgment in my heart. Yeah, I, I won't share the whole list. <laughs> And it wasn't even the whole week I did it. Partway in, I'm like, oh, this is really hard, right? And it can be really small things. The person who tried to cut in front of me at 7-Eleven. Clearly, they did not see my presence, right? As they nudged their way to the counter, I just made sure my presence was certainly known. And a glare sort of captured that, if not, right? The person I heard boasting about all the wonderful things they did, it was so easy for me to judge their motivation. The tone of voice somebody used in a conversation that I was having, I could judge their character. See, Jesus tells us that judging has no place in the kingdom. It is fruitless. It is destructive. It is not helpful. Because condemnation seals us off from compassion. Condemnation seals us off from forgiveness. To see the humanity of the other person. I know the times that I have been judged. It's... It's shame-producing, right? It pulls us away from God. I know times that I have judged, right? And I, and I didn't have the whole story, and, and we never do. But I heard more of the story of why that person might have been doing that, and I was convicted. I had no idea what they were walking through, what they were struggling with. See, condemnation can fuel anger. It can fuel our biases. It can fuel our own self-righteousness. It can make ourselves feel better. But Jesus says, who are you to judge? Every one of us and the person you are judging is created in the image of God. They are an image bearer whom God came to love sent his son to love. So Jesus gives an illustration of, of why this is so fruitless. He talks about this crazy illustration, right, in verses 3 to 5. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust, right, in the person you're wanting to judge, and you've got this plank, you've got this log in your own eye. You clearly cannot see well with this huge log in your eye. <clears throat> what is that plank? I think that plank is judgment. That plank is condemnation. 
You cannot truly see the other person when you have condemnation in your heart. You cannot. First, you have to remove that judgment. You have to remove that condemnation before you are, have any chance of seeing them clearly. Their challenges, their struggles, their life experience, why they might be doing what they're doing. See, condemnation is rarely helpful in bringing heart change. Rather, it brings shame and maybe a surface level change. Maybe condemnation will bring compliance, but it doesn't bring transformation. It can get somebody to behave, but not somebody to become more Christ-like. I was thinking of the story when I was younger. My mom's parents, my grandparents on my mom's side would come and visit. They didn't live very far away, but um, they were very tidy people. Had a very immaculate garden with nicely trimmed rose bushes and very tidy house. And our house was the opposite of that. But every time they came, they were definitely wanting to communicate to my mom that they did not approve of the way her home was. And they let her know that. <clears throat> and then they would go about beginning to clean and trim the bushes every time. And instead of bringing transformation, which is what I think they were hoping for, it brought shame. It put distance between my mom and her parents. In their minds, they were doing something good. Why couldn't she just do this like we did this? Wouldn't that be so much better? But it actually put a wedge between their relationship. The log and the speck. This illustration also shows that the judger, the one with the plank, has no self-awareness. They have no self-awareness about how their judgment will impact the person. Right? They have a huge blind spot in their eye. We're going to talk more about self-awareness in a little bit. But what can you do when that impulse arises to judge? Because I know I have that impulse. What can you do? Just a simple prayer to start. Lord, show me the plank in my own eye. As soon as that judgment emerges in your heart, Lord, show me the plank in my own eye. If you're like me, you're going to pray that prayer a lot. Jesus carries on, verse 6. Do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. What is he getting at here? Scholars have a, a lot of ideas on this, but this is what I think it means. Pearls is the good judgment pushed on others. So not the condemnation, right? But the analysis, the evaluation, the discernment, these good things that you're wanting to impose on somebody, but they don't want to hear it. We need to be invited in to share these things. <clears throat> we can feel like I can see the truth and I'm going to force you to see it. And Jesus says, that it's, not, it's not worth it. Don't do it. Even when one is right, one should not impose the truth on others against their will. Now, if you're a teacher and you're teaching kids, you're a parent, of course, you need to raise up your child, right? And you need to correct and instruct in the workplace. And there's helpful ways to do that. And there's destructive ways to do that. But I think Jesus is saying here, if people are not wanting this feedback, it's not going to help it to force it on them. And then finally, he goes to verse 7. 
and asks and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. I have never seen this verse in connection with the judging. But I think it's there for a reason. I think it does relate to the passage that's following, and we'll get to that passage, and not this week. But it's also related to this judging passage. It's inviting a conversation. Ask for feedback. Be willing to receive feedback. Right? Open that door of connection between two people. Invite that in, and then it has a chance to work. So my, my temptation when I'm beginning to judge is, yes, pray to see the plank in my own eye, but also to encourage the impulse of curiosity instead of condemnation. What might be happening here that I'm not seeing? What can I be praying for in this moment? My own plank, for sure. But let me dig a little deeper. Let me gather more information. Let me not shield myself off from compassion because of my condemnation, but let me kindle that compassion as I'm curious. This is partly why we're going through emotional healthy relationships. It's to give us language to enter into some of these discussions instead of judging in our heart. We still laugh about this one in our life group that I'm puzzled. I notice when something that you see somebody negative versus saying, why do you do that? I notice that you're never on time for our meetings, right? I wonder why that is. Versus, why can't you ever show up on time, right? There's a way to engage these conversations that gets at loving others well instead of condemning. So if you go through these steps, you've removed the log from your eye and you feel like I'm still compelled to say something, do it lovingly. Remember, you've just removed a log from your own eye, right? Have you ever had to remove a splinter from a child? Years ago, um, we were, Cody and I were up in the mountains, and I heard him scream. I ran outside. We were in a cabin, and he had just been stung by a bee. And I ran over, and I held him. He must have been <clears throat> maybe four years old. And then I told him we had to remove the stinger. And then he got... And then he freaked out. And I didn't know this at the time, but if, if I had asked him a little more questions, I could have gotten on it. He thought the stinger was like this big, <clears throat> and it was going to be a minor surgery for me to remove it. So the last thing he wanted was me to do that. But when we finally got past that, you lovingly sort of do that. <clears throat> so as a people, we should embracing ways to talk about difficult things together. We should take care when we do that. We should approach our conflicts with the same tenderness. And if you're not able to do that, then don't point out the speck. This tool here is one that I have really benefited from. I, I learned about it in grad school, <clears throat> the Jahari window, and I've touched on it in the past. And it's this window with the four quadrants, and the upper left there is things that are known to yourself and known to others, right? It's the open self. And the idea is that we want to know ourselves more and others to know us better, okay? Below is the hidden self, the part that you know about yourself, but others do not know. And then the blind self, the top right there, is information that others know about you, 
but you don't know it yourself, okay? Others know this about you. They've been and maybe in close relationship with you. Maybe they're in your family. Maybe, you know, they're your colleagues and they know something about you that you have not yet discovered. Maybe it's a big blind spot. And that can be scary to go into these places. And the, the bottom right corner is unknown. The unknown self, it's not known to you, it's not known to others. And the idea is, is we want to grow in our self-awareness. We want to be aware of this log that we have in our eyes. And so we get feedback from others that, that diminishes the blind self. And then we share more about who we are. And that opens ourselves up more to other people. This is a great tool in growing in self-awareness. What shields us from growing this open self is judgment and condemnation. That makes it go smaller. We were talking last night in our life group about vulnerability. We were looking at the session in the EHR on the iceberg and how difficult it can be to explore those emotions and to become vulnerable. But, but when we do, it actually opens up <coughs> our world to other things to these deeper places in our lives. So Christ teaches us to look at our own lives first. This is the point of the illustration with the log and the speck. Because our judgment, our condemnation, will be clouded by our own limited view, by our own issues, our own prejudices, our own histories, and our own motivations. This is not an easy passage to live out. But Jesus gives us an alternate reality on how, what are we to do besides judging? John 3.17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it. This is the same world for judgment in Matthew 7, this crino world, but to save the world through him. The God of the universe did not come to condemn, but to save. Instead of judging, what does he do? He brings his salvation, his invitation to do life, to invite us into this process that everybody is invited to. We see his kingdom expanding. We see the disciples welcoming people. We see their own condemnation, their own judgments as the people they encounter. Right? Whether it's the, the women that they meet that they want to condemn, whether it's the children that keep them away from Jesus, we see Jesus' life impacting them. We see this kingdom expand as we read the book of Acts, this early church as they're becoming the church. We see them beginning to live out the Sermon on the Mount and instead of judging, there's welcome and there's invitation. We see those that would have traditionally been kept further from God and further out from the temple itself, whether it was children, women, Gentiles, eunuchs. We see all these barriers dropping down one by one as the church becomes the church, as it becomes the body of Christ living and breathing God's love for humanity. We see Paul proclaim this in Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ. This is why one of our core values is to be inclusive. To be an inclusive community, we invite everyone to the table. Everyone to the table. In my Facebook feed, actually a couple weeks ago, I screenshotted it. 
because in, I was remembering it this week when I was looking at this invitation to the table. And this person is describing that Last Supper with Jesus. He says, in that room, hours before the death of Jesus, Judas ate too. Judas fed Jesus too. Jesus, Jesus prayed for Judas too. Jesus washed Judas' feet too. I struggle to fathom that kind of love. A love that would feed the mouth that deceived you. A love that would wash the treacherous feet of the traitor. A love that would forgive even the vilest of betrayals. I honestly struggle to comprehend it. And then suddenly I realize that I am Judas. And in that moment, I am so thankful and altogether overwhelmed that Judas ate too. We invite everybody to the table to partake, to serve, to worship, to love. See, Jesus teaches this, and then he actually has to live it out. If anybody was put in a place of judging and condemning, it was Jesus. But what does he do on that Good Friday day as he is nailed to the cross? He could have condemned everyone there. He was without sin. He had no log in his eye. And what does he do? God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. This is our Jesus. God doesn't call us to judge people. He calls us to love people. Judging never brings transformation, but loving does bring transformation. And through the Holy Spirit, Jesus is saying, we can actually become the type of people that aren't condemning, but are loving and welcoming. It is actually possible, do you believe at church, that God can transform our hearts? Some of us do. <laughs> it is possible. God can transform our hearts. This impulse to judge can be changed. And I believe we are at our best, church, when we are welcoming people to that table, when we are loving on them, when we are being the body of Christ. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you did not condemn me, that you did not condemn us. That instead you offered your forgiveness, God. And yet I know it is so hard to not judge in my own heart. But you are a God of transformation. So we welcome that transformation. God, and I pray as we prepare our hearts to receive communion, God, that we would reflect as the worship team sings, turn our eyes upon Jesus, God, that we would turn our hearts to you in this time and that you would speak to us and through us, Jesus, in your name. Amen.